You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. It's me. What's up, guys? Welcome to the Orange and Black Inside of Bengals podcast. Got some technical difficulties going on with the main host of this show, Anthony Cazenza. He's working out his microphone right now. But it's Thursday, October 26th. It's been, what, 10 or so days since the Cincinnati Bengals played a game of football. It's kind of it's been a nice it's been a nice break, I think, for most people. Right. Bengals were three and three constipated offense inconsistent defense but now we're back and now anthony's back how you doing man (laughs) oh wouldn't be a show without uh something going on something going wonky but uh how are you john i'm 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 doing okay it kind of goes along with the lines in of the week that i've had but that's okay how are you doing bud I'm doing good. Just telling the listeners, been a nice break. I know we talked about, you know, getting back from the bye, but it's been like 10 days since we've seen a Bengals game. I feel like it's been the appropriate amount of time. I feel like everyone's ready to kind of get back to it, ready to see a good game on Sunday. Ready to see a good game on Sunday. And it is, I don't know what to expect really, because we thought we knew some of the, the cast of characters would be not available for the San Francisco 49ers. This all, all of a sudden looked like, wow, this is, becoming more and more of a winnable looking game than it already perhaps did because of some of the guys that are, that were set to miss. And then we've got a little bit of an update on that. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about a couple of other news and notes, and then we're going to bring on Jason Aponte from Niners nation, the San Francisco 49ers SB nation site. And he's going to give us some insight on the, uh, the team, the matchup things to look for, and maybe these injuries that we're talking about on their, um, on their side of the fence there. Again, this is the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. If you're a first time joining us, uh, maybe just skip past the first five, 10 seconds there uh, after the intro music, because that's not really what we're about. But we like to talk about the Bengals, their matchups. We have a couple of different shows throughout the week that we do on here. And then other shows that we have on the SB Nation, Cincy Jungle podcast channel include... Coach Speak and Chalk Talk with the coach, Matt Minnick, talking football with Bengal Jim and friends, 
They bring a fun episode every week there. And then, of course, Three and Out with Jason and Kevin. And then John and I do a number of different shows, including a post-game report, including a show called The Aftermath, which is a little bit of an extension on the post-game report. We do this show, which is a little more analytical, deep dive, a little bit of news and notes. And then we also sprinkle in some listener questions, live episodes, special interviews, etc. Okay. Let's talk about this break uh, i guess i don't know if it's breaking news i guess new news as it goes with the injury report between the Bengals and the 49ers as we were beginning this week it was kind of uh, we knew debo was going to be out per a report from adam schefter of espn that's something that was that's been out there for about a week and a half now and then now you know there's some stuff we we, we thought brock purdy was probably not going to play because he was in concussion protocol and then you've got uh you know uh, Trent, well, you know, all these other players, we go, man, this, these are some star players here. But, John Sheeran, the 49ers quarterback surprisingly practiced on Thursday, um, kind of giving pause now. It almost was a foregone conclusion that we were going to see Sam Darnold. Maybe not now. Yeah, I mean, no one knows anything about concussions, right? Um, I still remember last year, Tua Tungvaluwa suffered a pretty bad one, it seemed, against the yeah. Bengals. On Thursday night, next thing, like the next morning, you had Mike McDaniel say, oh, yeah, you know, he's fine. We were watching MacGyver on the plane laughing about it. Like, is he supposed to be watching a movie a few hours after getting concussed? That's not for me to decide. Um, Something that has been clarified, I guess, is that when players are going through the concussion protocol, it's not necessarily uh, temporal based. It's criteria based, which means that, you know, guys can recover quicker or slower compared to others. Purdy was placed on the protocol Wednesday, and that was, I guess, less than two days after he suffered his concussion against the Minnesota Vikings on Monday Night Football. He didn't practice Wednesday, obviously. On Thursday, he was doing some drills, which means that, according to people who know about the stuff, he's either in on step four or step five throughout the concussion protocol. I think there's only five steps or so. So he's on the verge, I think, of getting fully cleared, which, again, I guess is surprising considering most players who are placed on the protocol the same week of a game normally don't play that week. But there are some cases where that is the case. Uh, for example, Nick Scott, I think he's, he suffered a concussion week two against the Baltimore Ravens, and he was out there against Los Angeles Rams. I don't even think he missed a game, uh, a single practice leading up to that game anyways. So this could be a case of, hey, it's, it's a very minor thing. He's working through it, and if he does enough work, he'll end up playing. But there's still another day of practice to kind of go through here. But um, odds are he'll practice tomorrow, and then they'll probably make a decision over the weekend. Well, that is one of the – here's here you see here, Brock Purdy practices Orlando Brown Limited, and we'll scroll on down to the full injury report down here. And here's the Bengals side of things. Relatively healthy – this Akeem Davis Gaither thing keeps lingering, John. This knee issue that he has, he did not practice Wednesday or Thursday, did not play in the last couple of games. So it's trending that way again. Orlando Brown with that groin injury in which he left the Seattle Seahawks game early has been limited since. I think that's trending in a good direction there. Uh, Chase Brown uh, was was limited on Thursday. Josh Tupo went full practice. He, there's a toe issue there. Um, Devin Harper, the linebacker went full practice with a hamstring issue. And then you're not seeing, uh, T Higgins on there. So things are trending upwards there as well, John. So good news for the Bengals there. This is uh, again from Cam Inman, who covers the 49ers there at Cam Inman, C-A-M-I-N-M-A-N. He is 
practicing, not fully cleared, but progressing through the concussion protocol. And then on the other side of the, the coin there, we don't have the chart necessarily there, but Debo Sam, Samuel, Samuel has been ruled out of the game. Trent Williams looking like he is not going to play. He rolled his ankle pretty badly against the Browns a couple of weeks ago, did not play against the Vikings and did not practice this Thursday. So trending to not being available on Sunday, potentially. Um, So it it looks like Purdy's a maybe Williams is probably not. And Samuel is a definite not. Right. So I think Samuel is already, yeah, he was declared out. I think yeah. they're just going to give him the bye week to kind of rest. With Trent, it feels like it's kind of 50-50 at this point. Um, he wasn't spotted at practice per uh, the reports uh, regarding San Fran's practice. There seems to be some level of optimism that he might be like a game-time active, if that's the case. It's a low ankle sprain that he suffered, I think, late against the Browns um, a couple weeks ago, and that's, that's typically less of a serious thing compared to a high ankle sprain he's also trent williams he's one of the very best athletes in the nfl he kind of just he might just heal differently compared to uh us mere mortals so we'll we'll see about that but obviously whoever's at quarterback is obviously incredibly important and we've kind of seen over the years that it doesn't really matter who's a quarterback it could be uh Nick Mullins back there dropping back 30 times a game and the 49ers still put up 30 points, right? Trent Williams, though, is very, very irreplaceable as far as left tackles go, considering he'll be going up against or whoever is at left tackle will be going up against Trey Hendrickson for 60, 50 snaps a game. That, that's going to be the injury to watch to me for very obvious reasons, right. because we've seen uh, Purdy struggle under pressure these past couple of weeks, and it's led to some of those mistakes kind of costing him. That has definitely been the one of the major causes of the issues with Brock Purdy. And then as mentioned earlier, the weather in Cleveland, not doing that team any favors either. So we'll, we'll see what happens there with the quarterback position in San Francisco, obviously makes it a little bit of a different game. Purdy has been struggling as we just mentioned. Uh, Darnold is known as one of the best backup quarterbacks there. So, I mean, in a way the the Niners have some options and some good options on the table for them, but still when you have potentially a backup quarterback, one of your best all around offensive weapons, uh, not available. And then potentially your left tackle, not available. That's not spelling a, a ton of optimism for a Niners team coming off of two straight losses. You know, is it going to be the thing where like, they feel like their backs are against the wall and people are counting them <laughs> out because they have people coming out. Like people kind of get into all this, all, all these mental mind games about motivation and whatnot. But I, I still look at the 49ers roster and I see elite talents everywhere else, right? Um, Brandon Ayuk's playing like an elite talent. George Kittle is one of the very best tight ends. That defense, mm-hmm. I think, is still has game-breaking ability, even if you know there's some complaints about maybe a lack of pass rush. Well, they still got Nick Bosa, they still got Javon Hargrave. You know, like these guys, these guys can still play. So it's still early in the week to to determine whether or not some of these guys are going to be out, but you know, I, th- I think the 49ers are going to be ready to play regardless. Yeah, I, I, they will. They will for sure. One of the big news before we get to Jason Aponte of SB Nation's Niners Nation to come and join us to talk about this game. He'll probably be joining us in about 10 or 15 minutes, I think. So here was something that I thought was interesting, especially based on our conversation that we had in the aftermath episode on Tuesday, John, where we're talking about the running backs. What are the Bengals going to do uh, to to get some extra snaps there or, or find a formula. Might Samaj Piran be a t- trade target? 
do they go and maybe look at some additional pass rush help somewhere else? Well, it turns out via Mike Petralia, who covers the Cincinnati Bengals, does a great job and friend of our show there, great guy. He related some tweets here, and we will pull those tweets up along with the article in which they are embedded on cincyjungle.com, where there might be a couple of bigger roles carved out going forward for a couple of rookies in this year's class, and that would be Miles Murphy and Chase Brown. Um, here is the, and we'll pin the link in the uh, for the article as well as uh, show you the Mike Petralia tweets here go follow him and of course go give him the click over there at trags t-r-a-g-s the quotes are from uh both coordinators john quote from brian callahan i think it's a reasonable expectation to see him meaning chase brown play more and then the quote from luana rumo on the other side of the ball says miles murphy has had a good week of practice hints at a bigger role so kudos again to Mike Petralia, who does a great, great job covering the Cincinnati Bengals on his uh, on his beat report there at TRAGS. We should get him back on the show soon if he is willing and able. But um, again, now we're looking at the Bengals showing a little bit of belief in two rookies on one on each side of the ball. Yeah, I wish we had the quote, um, the the direct quote of Beluna Rumo talking about Miles Murphy. Um, it, it seems like I mean he's still obviously if you want to tier these guys in order, he's still probably fifth in that rotation behind the two starters and Joseph Asai and camp sample sample, I think has really shown himself in these past couple of weeks, but the more guys that you can just throw into that rotation, the better. I think I saw like sports illustrated. It was talking about like the Bengals need to trade for chase young and just really go all in. Well, that, that would be great. And he would be a great addition, but I think they want to give miles Murphy a, a chance to really take off and just gradually get more and more of an opportunity because they're going to need him to produce in the, in, within these next couple of years. And right now is very crucial development time for him. So I, I wouldn't expect more than like maybe 10 or 15 snaps a game at most. If this entire group of edge rushers are healthy, just because there's still a lot of work for him to do, but you know, this is the time where he needs that work with chase Brown though. Like he needs, he needs more snaps for sure. Like they need to find more explosion coming out of the backfield, both as a receiver and as a runner, it sucks that he's now apparently dealing with a hamstring injury. It's it's never really good to see a player limited out of nowhere with an injury late into the week. So we're going to have to see if when Friday comes around, if, if he's still limited or if he's held out of practice, if he's held out, he might be at best a game time decision for this game. But that, that should have definitely been a conversation during the bye week. How do we get a more stable rotation out of these running backs? Because Joe Mixon is on pace to just be worn out by the end of the season. And, and they need him fresh for some of those games where it, it's just best to hand the ball to him 20 or 25 times, depending on the situation. But they, they definitely need more from Chase Brown. Hopefully he's, he's good to go. Does this, in your eyes, exclude them from potentially making a trade? I uh, probably, you know, it, trades. I think were already unlikely when you're talking about this team. Again, agreed. Like, I, like you look, you look at the two that I can think of in this month. It was Carson Palmer and Carlos Dunlap. Both those guys forced <laughs> the way out of the city. I don't think you're experiencing any of that with some of the more notable stars on this team. So that is the only thing that makes them active. They're never proactive at this time. They just love their love their precious draft picks too much. In mm-hmm. The fifth and sixth and seventh rounds, even though that's oftentimes. The, the cost of acquiring some some of these veterans who can help you right now. So I, I, I just wouldn't expect it. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I, yeah, I wouldn't expect it either. And I mean, there's a reason why you drafted these two guys there. I, I think maybe you felt as you, as you drafted them, Hey, you know, these are going to have a bit of prominent roles in, on each side of the ball there, but hasn't really played out that way so far, but you know, some flashes here and there and, or maybe out of necessity going forward, getting some more effective snaps from those, those two positions in those two places that um, you know, that's maybe something that they, that they look at uh, unknown zero, zero, zero. Didn't we make a, a trade for Reggie Nelson back in the day? Yeah. I'd have to go back and look at all the details. That was 2010 and man, did that trade play pay off? Well, they also made a trade. I think this, the, a lot of these were either in the summer or in the off season. They made a trade at one point for yeah. Kelly Jennings, member of the cornerback. Um, and then they made a trade at one point that one of the best trades, I, I just, I loved how this whole thing worked out. The old Brian Leonard trade in 2009, where they trade Clinton McDonald for Brian Leonard player for player. And then Clinton McDonald gets cut. And then the Bengals bring back Clinton McDonald. So they have Brian Leonard and Clinton McDonald on their roster later that year. Um, so they've done a couple of these things. Uh, you know, many of them were were under Marvin Lewis, though. And so that, you know, it, it goes. And some of them, like I said, were in the summertime, that sort of thing. Not necessarily right here. And this and the other two that you mentioned recently were the Bengals trading away assets for draft picks, et cetera. Not necessarily trading, going on the other side of the table and trading for a player and giving away draft capital there. Right. So, yeah, the Bengals traded for Reggie Nelson right before the season, much like they traded for B.J. Hill right before the 2021 season. And both of those were player-for-player trades. So if you can find a player on the Bengals roster that's clearly not doing enough and that the Bengals would be completely okay with parting ways with to find another guy who's ascending for another team, but that that team doesn't want him, then, yeah, like those those are the conversations that I think you can have for it to be realistic because there's a track record of that happening. But in, in terms of like trading away like a third or fourth round pick for Derrick Henry, who's apparently a part of this, this uh, li- liquidation process in Tennessee, I wouldn't expect that. Yeah, we're going to get to our special guest in just a second here. I did want to bring this up uh, because we like to give these YouTube super chats. And of course, from Mr. Generosity, still waiting for, for, an email address or something or, or a mailing address or something, Mr. Whisper, because you always take such good care of us. We got to we got to get in you the most polite that... ways. We're going to find you in the most. Yes. Polite ways. Yes. Not in the totally non creepy way. Totally non creepy way. I'm curious what you thought of Cody Ford stepping in for Orlando Brown Jr. Hopefully it doesn't happen. But just in case Orlando reaggravates his injury, did Ford play well enough to step in, in your opinion? Mm-hmm. 
I mean, it was there. There were a couple of instances where you saw some pressures given up, and and you know, it just you saw Burrow. What I saw was Burrow being uh, his throws being rushed in the second half when when Orlando Brown wasn't there, um, and so uh, you know, where was it just you know a devastating you know sack after sack and you know all this hit after hit? Not necessarily, but I saw more of a you know mind clock in Burrow's head going a, a little faster and forcing some bad throws in that second half. That's what I noticed. Yeah. I, I think back to like, remember 2017 when you had this abysmal rotation between like Cedric Abuehi and Jake Fisher, and I think Andre oh. Smith, oh. right? So like oh. those guys were all taking snaps during the, at the same, in the same game. Right. And that that's ludicrous to me that that was like planned because I think for a lot of quarterbacks, they're used to the timing and the use of the play style of their, of their pass protectors. They're used to knowing like where they win and where they lose. If they have enough time to maybe step up, if they have enough time for maybe another hitch because they're used to just how these guys operate. The, the continuity is so important. So to your point, I don't think Cody Ford was getting beaten like a drum out there, but I think there was uncertainty in terms of like, I haven't really played with this guy as my blind side protector yeah. in a while. Like he's got a really good matchup off that edge there. So there's a lot of uncertainty. And I think that led to a lot of like the, the shakiness there. So if Cody Ford has to play an entire game and you know, there's practice leading up to it, maybe there's more confidence, but going right in when you just don't really know what to expect. Um, yeah. It just kind of led to those results. Yeah. Well, we are going to bring on our special guest in just a second here. I want to remind folks that you can get this show on your favorite audio streamer through the Cincy Jungle Podcast channel, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio. I believe we're on Amazon Music now, uh, so you can find, if you're if you're on Amazon Music, you can go find that uh, over there. And then, of course, if you want to subscribe to our YouTube channel right beneath John there, there is a show icon underneath the, uh, the Cincy Jungle icon there. Click that to subscribe, click the bell to be notified when we go live, when new content is available. And of course, you can give a thumbs up to the Cincy Jungle Facebook page. You can follow John, myself on Twitter, as well as Cincy Jungle's account. And uh, yeah, yeah, we appreciate all the support that you've you've shown us. Well, let's bring him on. He's been waiting patiently for a couple minutes here. Jason Aponte, hopefully I'm, I'm pronouncing your last name uh, the correct the correct way, sir. Uh, how are you? Good to, good to have you on. Oh, you're muted. Do we not have you? There we Thanks go. Thanks for having me on. Yep. Yeah. Anthony, John, good to see you guys. Yeah, Aponte, Aponte, whatever works, honestly. I, I really don't have a preference at this point. Okay. Okay. Well, thanks for coming on. I got to I gotta give Jason uh, some kudos here because I, I asked last minute and he was like, dude, I'm in. Let's let's do this. And I, I greatly appreciate you jumping in and hanging out with us no for problem. a little bit here. We yeah. talked before you got on. We talked about the injury stuff. Right now, as we sit here on Thursday evening are the best guess I think we have is Purdy since he practiced on Thursday is now a maybe Trent Williams is a, a maybe may, pro, pro, probably not and then of course Debo is out in terms of big injuries there is that kind of a fair assessment to this point for sure and and when you have the the concussion on Monday night it, it always puts you in a bad spot where you have to all of a sudden clear the protocol you have to not only be cleared by your own doctor is an independent doctor. Seems like Purdy's going through it well. Um, once we hear about his progression through the concussion protocol, I think we'll have a better idea. So he's trending a little bit closer. Still not a guarantee, but I wouldn't suspect that we see Trent and Debo uh, this week as well either, especially considering the injuries and the bye next week, um, even though this game has kind of turned into a bit of a must win for the 49ers out of nowhere. 
So I remember back when the Trey Lance trade happened, right? There was the whole offseason of they signed Sam Darnold and they, they almost kind of made Sam Darnold a quarterback two out of nowhere. And then Trey Lance is now a Dallas Cowboy, right? Now you're in a situation where Darnold has a realistic chance of, of playing for Brock Purdy. Kind of go through that process of kind of picking Darnold over the guy that was you know, taking third overall. Was it more of a sense of like he's more similar to Purdy, so you want like a closer backup? Or was it just him just outplaying Trey Lance in the offseason? This is classic Kyle Shanahan having tunnel vision on one of his guys. He has gushed and gushed and gushed over Sam Darnold any chance that he's ever had, even before he was on the 49ers. And it's something that's really funny about the way that he talked about Sam. And I spoke to a former player who during the 2020 season, you know, obviously during the COVID shortened year, he said that there were three teams that they faced. And the, the one is obviously in the Super Bowl, which is technically 2020. Three teams that they faced. And there were three players that Kyle Shanahan absolutely gushed over. The Super Bowl, it was Charverius Ward. The Eagles game, it was Javon Hargrave. And the Jets game, it was Sam Darnold. All three of those guys were signed on the first day available that they could. When Kyle Shanahan likes a guy, it just it, it's just straight tunnel vision. And he's always had it in for Sam Darnold. And then when you listen to him speak about, well, he's been in some rough situations. And and this is the part that bugs me the most because I have such respect for Kyle Shanahan. But to, to float this idea out is, is kind of like it just doesn't jive with me. Uh, well, Steve Young, it took him a while. Sure. So Sam Darnold is going to be Steve Young now. Let, let, let's use the one extremely, <laughs> extremely different um, circumstance where one guy turned in from somebody who used to play in the USFL, played for the Tampa Bay Bucks, and then became one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. Sure, let's use that example for Sam Darnold. But <laughs> this is classic Kyle Shanahan just loving his guy. And when he sees something, he tries to cultivate it. And there's nothing more than that, in my opinion. Talking with Jason Aponte, he is part of SB Nation's Niners Nation Network. He is a fellow Pro Football Writers of America member and joining us to talk uh, some some 49ers and Bengals here. Happy to have him on. There are a lot of names you just mentioned, and I have like a, a question on about three or four of those guys specifically I could ask you. I'm just going to ask you about Traverius Ward because last week, at least from what I saw, I didn't watch every single second of that game, but I saw a bit of it. He struggled against Jordan Addison, a lot of penalties and or would-be penalties. Last time uh, he was with the Chiefs, a couple a couple of times he's been with the Chiefs facing the Bengals. He's had some issues with Jamar uh, Jamar Chase going off on here. So what's what's the fix this week? What's, what you know, I guess expectation and what are they trying to do to either mask some of the, the deficiencies there and or was it just a, a weird matchup last week for him and he's been playing well otherwise? Um, yeah, I do think it's a little bit of both. I think it was a little bit of Steve Wilkes and the soft coverage and the pass rush not getting there. And and obviously Jordan Addison is a hell of a football player, so you have to throw yeah. that in there. You know, the play at the half is the one that everybody's going to look at. It. If Charverius knocks that down or intercepts that, I think his whole day is a little bit different. But unfortunately, when you don't make the play, you get dinged for the touchdown. Uh, as far as Ward goes, it's it's a combination of kind of what Steve Wilkes is trying to figure out with this defense and how to implement something that is going to play to their skill sets. When it was with D'Amico Ryans, it took him a little while as well, too. He figured it out. But the pass rush has largely not been there. So the secondary has now had to cover for four and five seconds. And for the most part, it's a lot of soft coverage in terms of zone, cover three, and guys are just running wide open. And, and you know, with, hmm. with Kirk, if you give Kirk that time and you're not hitting him, he's going to pick you apart. I don't care if it's on prime time or a Super Bowl. Like, you can't <laughs> let him do that. Um, so it, it's a little bit of both. You would like to see Ward bounce back a little bit. He's had games like that, like last season. 
Um, he went up against Devontae Adams and others. And, you know, it, it, you're going to lose your reps against the better players. And, and there's no doubt that Jamar Chase and, and I think the world of T. Higgins as well are, are probably the forefront, the one-two duo in the league. So there's going to be times where you lose some reps, but you just don't want to see him give up the big plays. And the penalties are a little bit more concerning because it's happened two straight weeks, um, especially against Cleveland, with one that kind of kept the drive going for the uh, for the field goal that took the lead for them. You set up a nice segue for me because the most fascinating thing about this game is like you you apparently can't box score the 49ers uh, pass rushers because on on paper, it looks pretty good. You have three. Uh, pass rushers with a pass rush win rate of 16% or higher. Nick Bosa, I think, is like fourth in the league in that metric, but the, the sack numbers are down. And I haven't watched a ton of 49ers games this year, but the, the ones I've seen, like Nick looks fine. Hargrave looks fine. Those guys can eat any mismatches that you kind of give them. W- w- what has been the case in terms of them maybe not finishing at the quarterback this year? This is really hard for me because I'm at the forefront of the pressures greater than sacks argument, right? Um, but this year, it feels like those pressures are inconsequential. And 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 going back to this last game, Kirk was back there making sandwiches at this point. But then you look at the box score and you have Nick Bosa with six <laughs> pressures. And you watch it again and you're just like, what are you defining as a pressure? And and there's less QB hits. And, and when you look around, you look at this defensive line and you think Bosa, Hargrave, Armstead, they expected a big jump from Drake Jackson. That has not happened. His snaps are absolutely dwindling right now. They bring in Randy Gregory, who's actually been good situationally. Javon Kinlaw is taking a step as a situational interior defensive lineman. But this year, it feels like the one thing that the 49ers and the 49ers fans had their watch set to was, hey, the pass rush is going to get it done. So if we have issues on the back end, you can clear that up. Now, it's it's a little strange because you hear Nick Bosa talk after the game, well, yeah, we generally rush four. And then they're sending six and seven uh, right at the end of the half when all you have to do is let them complete a pass and tackle them with no timeouts. It's so much that's going on right now with Steve Wilkes trying to figure out how to play to these strengths. And who knows if he has a bunch of experience with the wide nine, which is what Chris Kosarek teaches. But it's just – it's it's honestly – there's no real good answer for it because you see the talent and the talent should win, but it's just not happening. And a bit of it is schematics. And a bit of it is the fact that these guys have underperformed just a little bit. And it really pains me to say that because I'm really big on pressures over sex. I feel like that tells the story a little bit more than sex. Yeah. Well, we talked about this guy at the onset with the injury report and I'm, I've kind of done, believe it or not, I, I'm a guy who does a little bit of homework going into, going into stuff here, but Debo Samuel, okay, with him in games, or at least when he's playing full games, I'm looking at the box scores, right? Uh, 30 to 7 against uh, against the Steelers, uh, 30 points scored against the Rams, 30 points scored against the Giants, 35 points against the Cardinals, uh, 42 against the Cowboys. And then when he, I, I can't remember if he exited in the Browns game or before the Browns game, in the Browns game. 17 points, 17 points. So I guess I've got two questions here. Is it the whole correlation causation? You know, is there not something related there? Um, or or is it, hey, he means that much in terms of how many points this team can score on offense? And then the other flip side is, you know, it, it, he's not going to be available this week. So how do you manufacture, manufacture some of that? You're not going to emulate what he does all around, but how are you going to emulate some of, some of what he is able to do on offense and, and be able to score more points than you have the last two weeks. Funny enough, when the 49ers was scoring 30 and up points, 
Debo wasn't really at the forefront of everything. Like he was there and he would contribute, but he still wasn't the guy. Like Brandon Ayuk exploded in week one. Christian McCaffrey has 16 straight games with uh with a touchdown, and and he's the engine that drives this offense right now. With Debo, the Cleveland game is a little strange because the first play of the game was a run to him, and it felt like the game plan was centered around, hey, this is gonna be a wet game. Um, Cleveland's defense is very mm-hmm. good. We're going to use our guy and, and use him as a bruiser, and we're going to get him involved. And then when he left the game, it kind of all fell apart, right? Because Cleveland's defense is very good. They were able to key in on the run. And the 49ers didn't really have too many answers as to, as far as adjustments. So it's strange because here we are again talking about, hey, they put up 30, but Debo wasn't really at the forefront. But then he's not there in the Cleveland game, and it kind of all goes away. And then with the Minnesota game, it just kind of felt weird on offense because if you watch that game, aside from the two turnovers uh, with Purdy, the 49ers were moving the football. I mean, they, they get an interception with the first drive. They're in the red zone. McCaffrey fumbles. They go down the field again. Missed field goal. Moody. Um, they, they're getting close into the red zone, and then they score the two touchdowns. It's it's a little strange because I don't want to downplay what Debo does, but as long as Chris McCaffrey is playing and Brendan Ayuk is there, they're able to kind of offset his loss because Christian McCaffrey does a lot of the things that Debo Samuel does with the ball in his hands, which are screens and just get out of his way and just move the field, move down the field. So I don't want to, I don't want to downplay him, but I don't think it's as severe because the 49ers really run everything through Christian McCaffrey at this point. And he plays all the snaps. They have really no other running back that is effective right now. So Christian McCaffrey has kind of made Debo Samuel a little bit slide into the background, but at the same time, whenever you do need a big play, you can go to him. But I just don't think that they, they're they game planning every single game for him as the way they are with Christian McCaffrey. And, and it seems like that just because, like, you've gotten such a big jump out of Ayuk. You know, you're talking about a guy who I remember, you know, back early in his career thinking maybe this guy is just not worth, like, a first-round pick and everything. But, of course, last year, yeah, he had over, like, a 1,000 receiving yards. And this year he's averaging, like, three and a, 3.2 yards per out run. What are they doing differently with him, or is it just basically just him kind of progressing up to this point? Well, again, I don't want to make this all about Christian McCaffrey, but I think the <laughs> the gravity that he brings, right? Everyone's looking at him in the backfield. He's getting such advantageous looks. Ayuk is taking a jump. Um, schematically, they're getting him open as well, too. And Purdy and him have a great connection. All of those things can be true. But the jump that you're seeing is very much a guy who, from last season to this season, is taking another jump, is looking like that guy. I remember being at training camp last season, and he gets into a big fight with Dre Greenlaw and Fred Warner. And everyone's like, oh, this team is ripping itself apart. For me, it felt like this is a guy trying to tell you, hey, I'm here, and now I'm a leader. And that's when we all should have known that this was coming. But the the Christian McCaffrey effect is everyone's looking at him. You have to send attention to him. If he moves this way, then you're getting a defender out of the way. And that's kind of where they're opening up the shots for him with whether it's the over routes or the slants. You're moving defenders out of the windows and getting the ball in there. And then on top of that, you have the play action where you you have the run action to one side you and you move a defender that way and you can get the ball there. So there's so many things that are there, but there is no doubt in my mind that, that Brandon Ayuk has taken a leap and is the best receiver on this team, hands down, no questions asked. Talking with Jason Aponte, he is one of the contributors over at SB Nation's Niners Nation. Happy to be chatting with him. He also is the co-host, host of the Sprint Right Option podcast as well, PFWA member. Stoked to be talking with him. Big, big game coming up here. Um, I, I we, we talked about the quarterback. He may or may not play Brock Purdy, but what is the sense among you who cover the team, fans of the team, 
with, you know, it was this magical run by Brock Purdy, right? It was, he was undefeated. And of course it kind of fell apart with the injury in the, in the championship game last year, but you know, he started off hot again this year and it's really kind of uh, fallen off a cliff a little bit. The last, the last couple of games, is there, you know, a sense of maybe you know, we're, we're starting to question some things here, or is it just, Hey, it's just a bad couple of games. It, it happens to everybody. Um, you know, I, I do think also there's, almost a year's worth of film on him now too. Maybe teams are seeing some different things. I don't know. What's your assessment on all of that, particularly in the wake of two losses these past couple of weeks? I think because of what people saw from Purdy, especially 49ers fans, in terms of how this offense was run and how many games they won, they just were rushing to crown him. But no other quarterback, excuse me, no other quarterback would have been crowned that early with – He's he's probably in his like 15th start, less than that probably right now, right? And generally what you do with any quarterback who is first starting out is you're gathering information. And it's felt like the gathering information part went out the window right away when Purdy comes in and they start winning games. So he's already at a disadvantage because you have never seen him play poorly. And I wouldn't even necessarily say that he's played poorly, but when you see something that doesn't look like what you've been seeing for five straight games and what you saw Mm. at the end of the year. It's jarring to 49ers fans. And you have to remember this 49ers fans have been waiting for their guy since Steve Young left. That's a long time. So I've seen the song and dance at times, five games with Jimmy Garoppolo. Got our guy, sign him, bring him in and keep him. Well, we got to get rid of Jimmy. Uh, well, let's uh, let's get to the number three pick. Well, we got our guy. Let's do it. Well, he's got to get out of here now too. Um, and now it's pretty and it's, There's a little bit of PTSD with 49ers fans in terms of being overly, you know, jumping the gun, basically, essentially with Purdy. I, myself, I believe he's going to have more bad games. Many quarterbacks do. I think this is all part of the process. I think what I wanted to see this season was I wanted to see adversity. You're not going to blow people out by 30 points or whatever it is that you were doing, having 30 every game. I want to see how you look when things are getting rough because then you have to adjust. You don't learn about quarterbacks when you know, everything's going well in your front running. Mm-hmm. You learn when things are struggling. And that's what I want to see now. This is such a get up off the mat moment for Purdy, especially, you know, considering the, the concussion and how he played at the end of the game, you know, two straight games where he had a chance to finish the game. And obviously in Cleveland, it was a missed field goal. So that wasn't his fault. He got them into a field goal range. And then obviously this last one with the interception, but it was just a rush to judgment. And I don't think I've ever seen a quarterback be praised as highly or as quickly with no doubts either. Like people were just like, yep, that's it. Uh, There's no chance that anything bad can ever happen. And he's great. And it's just like, are you sure? Like, shouldn't you be still waiting and processing and getting your information? It's kind of the most fascinating case study when it comes to Brock Purdy, because people just don't want to hear that possibly there could be regression and possibly he's still not a finished product, which I don't think he is. And I think that that's important because he's, he has so few starts in this league. It's not even like a possibly for me. Like you just you just hit the nail on the head. He's in his fifteenth start. He's in his second year. Like I, I, it's 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 a fascinating discussion. He's the biggest enigma in the NFL to me because I mean, people outside of the 49ers, they've seen C.J. Beathard, Nick Mullins, Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, play above their level because of the system, because of Kyle Shanahan, because of the weapons. And then you have a guy like Purdy in there who's just immediately doing it so freaking consistently, right? You just forget that. You know, he's a young guy who was drafted in the seventh round and all of a sudden, you know, the su- success is just kind of kind of flowing in and, and, and out of there. So, like, it, it, it is a fascinating discussion for me. I, I don't really know where I land on it. I know for a fact he does things better 
than just the worst quarterbacks in the league. So you, it's just disingenuous to just put him all the way down there. But continuing here, the 49ers have a ton of elite talents, and that's why they're competitive in every single game. George Kittle is also another mystery to me. Maybe not so as far as like he's good or not, but just because there's weeks where he doesn't really see the ball in the passing game, and then there's just weeks where he goes off like he did against the Vikings. Is that more just a week-to-week mystery, or is that just because, hey, Debo was out, and all of a sudden, you know, he needs to be more of a focal point in the passing game? Honestly, it's prime time. I mean, if it's a Thursday night game, a Sunday night game, a Monday night game, George Kittle's going off every single time. I think he's got like 75 yards in all of those games as well, too. It is a little bit of the fact that Debo uh, wasn't there as well. So it's like, okay, well, maybe we can just rely on this other guy. But when you think about the right tackle situation the 49ers have had, he's not in their pass blocking, but he certainly is in their chipping a lot. And he has to be in there just to kind of protect Colton McKibbitz. Now, the, the the dichotomy now is left side, right side now, because Jalen Moore is probably going to start at left tackle. And then it's going to be Colton McKibbitz, who had a very poor game, his worst game. Um, so there is a week-to-week thing uh, dynamic where it's like, well, you know, there's going to be weeks where he doesn't get anything because it's an Ayuk week. It's, it might be a McCaffrey week. If they're running the ball very well, that's when you're going to see nothing from him, really, because he's going to be a run blocker much more. But as you saw on Monday, one, it was primetime because he always just goes off on primetime. And two, they weren't able to run the ball at all. So they were they were throwing more passes and he was more involved, especially with the missing of Debo Samuel. But it's it's obviously a little bit of fantasy football talk when it when it's like, well, he's not getting sure. any touches or anything like that. His his impact goes a little bit further than that. But it is very much a week to week thing and and how they feel they can use him and how uh, how he's just fine with not catching the ball. And he's good just to help the team win. Before we get to your maybe keys and thoughts on the outlook of this game, prediction, that sort of thing. Jason, can you tell everybody we, we put your Twitter uh, URL in our in our live chats here for people to follow. But tell where people can uh, find your stuff, follow you and uh, hear your insight on all kinds of things as it pertains to the 49ers and the NFL. Yeah. Uh, NinersNation.com. I write every day on there. Um, my YouTube channel, Jason Aponte, it's all 49ers centric. You know, if you guys want to hop over and talk a little trash um, tomorrow, we're doing our game preview. <laughs> I'd love that. I love when other fan bases um, jump over it. That's like the best part of doing game previews and uh, sprint right option podcast, wherever you get your podcast. And I also do uh, a podcast called the bully ball podcast with Steph Sanchez on the gold standard podcast network. So uh, that's where you can find me as well too. Awesome. Well, you're a, you're a, a better, you have a, you have a better attitude about it than I do. I sometimes see those people come on, the trolls come on and they go, the thing is it's, it's here today, gone tomorrow. Right. So they're in here yeah. Thursday, yeah. Friday, they're in here talking crazy. And then after, uh, when you're doing your post game show and the, and the Bengals win, they're nowhere to be found. So I, I no, think that's course. the, the funny part. Yeah. That's the funny <laughs> part about it. So it's just like, you give them a little, you give them a little razzing. And then, you know, it's just, you know, what's funny is uh, on my sprint right option podcast, We've got guys who come over from like the first week that we've ever done it with the Detroit Lions that like tap into our show every week now. Like and and again, mm. it's almost like you gotta you gotta kind of just let it roll off your back and then you know what, just have a little fun with it. We have like Rams fans that tap in and whenever we lose, all that stuff. It's all in good fun, honestly. I just get past it and I get to to the people who support us more than anything. Well, well, good for you. Good for you. I don't know that I can always <laughs> say the same personally, but uh, all right, man. What's what are what are some of the keys to this? Uh, the biggest keys to to this game, and how do you see this one in your eyes playing out? Do the Niners come back and win? Can they overcome those injuries? Do they keep the home game winning streak alive, or are they running into some form of a buzzsaw with a Bengals team coming off a bye? And I don't think they'll allow me back if I pick the Bengals. So I'm just going to go ahead and, <laughs> and I'm going to say the Fort Niners. But I will tell you this: 
I, I had to have a very frank discussion with 49ers fans because 49ers fans at times love to compare other teams and the teams that they've either lost to or struggled with. So, for instance, oh, well, the Eagles lost to the Zach Wilson-led Jets. I don't know if they're like that this year. Oh, well, Seattle lost to the Rams. I had to tell them, well, now what do you think about your team? Cleveland Browns with P.J. Walker, Kirk Cousins on primetime with no Justin Jefferson. You kind of have to start stop looking at everybody and say, well, they were struggling with this team. And I think that was a lot of the sentiment when you're going down the schedule after you win three and four and five. You're like, well, the Bengals, obviously Burrow's injured. Um, Higgins hasn't been playing. The offense looks not like it normally does. I am afraid, afraid, afraid of this game. I really am. I mean, coming out of the bye, getting two weeks, um, Burrow should be healthier. Um, Higgins is going to be back. Jamar Chase is going to give the secondary fits. Um, the last time that they faced off, um, he had himself a game um, that was in 2021, if I'm not mistaken. Um, it's it's hard it's hard to sit here and be confident as a 49er fan based on what you've seen, and especially with the personnel that you guys have to match up with them. I think the 49ers win this one, but if they don't win this one, it is going to be full-blown panic going into the bye week. I got it 28-24, but if the 49ers cannot finish at the point of hitting the quarterback and finish there, they are not going to have a good day because Joe Burrow is going to be able to get the thing to to Higgins and Chase and and Mixon is is playing as well as he is, man. It's just and and the thing is, is Zach's offense is very much like Shanahan's offense, so he knows how to go at um, this sort of defense as well too. This is just a matchup nightmare, I think, right now when you look at the way the 49ers have been playing and you guys are healthy now coming out of the bye and just the preparation that you guys have put in. I'm scared to death. But they wouldn't let me back if I said the Bengals were going to win. So I got the 49ers 28-24. That's, that's cool. Yeah, I know. I You know, I, oddly enough, I think it, it, there's a little bit – I mean, I don't know scared, scared, scared. But this was a game on the on the calendar that us on the Bengals side of things have kind of been like – this is going to be this is going to be a real, real rough one, but um, you know I, I think hopefully the Bengals are, are trending upward. Uh, maybe they're getting the Niners at a little bit of a vulnerable time or more vulnerable than usual type of time. But uh, I think it will be a close game as you mentioned there. But hey, Jason, we appreciate the time again. I appreciate you coming on last minute, spending God I don't know twenty five minutes with us. It's awesome. Appreciate your work. And uh, hey, if if some of the early season prognostications come true. And these two teams face off in the Super Bowl. We'd love to have you back on, man. That's who I had in the Super Bowl. And I had Joe Burrow to win MVP as well, too. But I, I don't know right now. I mean, it would take an, it would take an incredible run. But absolutely, guys. Yeah. Thank you guys for having me on. It was a blast talking with you guys. And, you know, honestly, um, I cover the 49ers, but I enjoy watching the Bengals play football so much, man. They have so many players there that wow. I really enjoy. So it's a, it's a really cool to talk Bengals with you guys. Well, I mean, I, I think and I don't want to speak for John, but I, I think yes, you can. And envious of a lot of players on the 49ers as well. But uh, also the thing is, and I'll talk more about this as we close up, but Jason, I'm sure you know, there's these two teams don't face each other a lot, but there is a lot of history between these two teams. Oh, yeah. A lot of history that dates back mm-hmm. a long, long time. So now when you see these two teams as, you know, kind of favorites, uh, they were at least preseason favorites, kind of cool to see them merge at really kind of a crossroads in each one of their seasons. Um, so big, big game this Sunday. Hundred percent, and and that's what's funny about the league. It's so week to week, you know, riding high five and zero. Oh, everyone's saying, you know, are the 49ers going to lose again? Um, and here we are right now. Just you know, the NFL comes at you real quick, and that's that's why. Not, I mean, the fans don't have to be humble, but <laughs> that's why teams have to remain humble. Fans can say whatever yeah. they want and do whatever they want. I'm I'm a big proponent of like, hey, if you're confident, 
you don't play football. You can talk whatever, whatever you want to say, whatever you want. <laughs> well, thank you. As our, our listener, Mr. Whisper said, yeah, appreciate your time. Take care. Enjoy. Are you going to the game? Yeah. I know you said you're East coast. Are you going to the game? No, I am East coast. No, 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 definitely not. Oh. Uh, a, you know, it's, it would be great, but I end up losing more money than I do because I get to sit at home and do with post game and everything as well. too. Mm-hmm. So it's just, it's fiscally irresponsible for me to head off. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I am being fiscally irresponsible. I will be going. So we'll see. We'll see Love what it. happens. Love there. it. But Enjoy the uh, yeah. man. Yeah. I appreciate it. Take care, man. All right. Bye, guys. Thanks, Jason. Uh, Jason Ponte, Niners Nation, SB Nation's 49ers site. Great guy. Glad to have him spend some time with us. That was pretty dang insightful, my friend. Um, especially, I like having these these people on that cover teams that we just, uh, sometimes we watch from afar or we're familiar with at an arm's length, but the Bengals don't face them all that often. So when you get that insight, it, it's definitely helpful. I mean, this is the fourth NFC team, NFC West team in the first seven games. They're just cranking these all out early on. We had Jake Allen Bogan covering, uh, helping us cover the Rams game. Uh, we've had, uh, you know, Jason help us with the 49ers. So, yeah, it, it, I guess we'll see him in, what, 2027, unless there's a Super Bowl inbound. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, John, let's get your prediction, my friend. We've talked about some keys, the injuries, and had Jason give his insight here. What do you think, man? What do you think? It's funny how Jason was talking about uh, like the 49ers fans and like their, their home, their humility now. And it's like, it's like both fan bases now I think are, are equally scared of each other. And that's maybe the case with a matchup between two really good teams, at least really good on paper. But I look at the 49ers struggles and their weaknesses and, I don't see them as completely backbreaking, right? I see them as exploitable if the Bengals go out there and play their tails off and play up to their ability. But I've heard too much about <laughs> the 49ers pass rush just not getting it done. And I find that just, I find that hard to believe it's going to just continue. Like Nick Bosa is Nick Bosa, Javon Hargrave, as much as, you know, Ted Karras is cool. You know, Cordo Volson, he's he's all right. Like, that's a mismatch, honestly. Eric Armstead is a mismatch for most guards, too. I I think the 49ers defensive line is going to have a good game in this one. And that's not to say anything bad about the Bengals offensive line. They just have too much talent there to, to have not gotten home in the first six weeks for that to continue, especially in a place where they just don't really lose. This is, I think, 17 out of 18 home games for the 49ers. And, the last 18 games, they've won 17 to them in Levi Stadium. I, I do think, though, I think Jason was on to something. Jamar Chase is going to have a good game. I think there's not really a cornerback for the 49ers that can really lock him down for all four quarters. It's just a matter of, are the Bengals able to put enough pressure on Purdy or Darnold as much as I expect you know, Bosa and company to put on Burrow? I also thought it was funny when he said that Zach's system is this, is very similar to Kyle Shanahan. That it would be very good news for a lot of Bengals fans who wanted to call for Zach Taylor's head as a play caller. I don't know if there's yeah. a lot of if there's a lot of weight to that, but um, I I I, I kind of see the 49ers eking out a close one here. I don't I don't really see either offense really going off, but I do think you're going to see a better 49ers pass rush. It's just a matter of the that pendulum swinging back. So I'm going to say 2017 49ers. The Bengals will need to play uh, obviously uh, their, their best game of the season for this one. And yeah. I don't know how high that bar would be based on some of the performances they've given in a couple of games here, but I, you know, they, you know, they just have to play their best, 
ball against this team. And they, this team, whether it's in the eighties in the Super Bowl, the last two matchups with Zach Taylor as the head coach, whatever, uh, and, and everything in between the Niners have had the Bengals number in a lot of ways. And, um, you know, I, I don't know what that is. I don't know why that is, but there is a lot of familiarity, even though these two teams do not play each other that often. There's a lot of, you know, intersections where their paths converge and stuff. So um, I, it's a coin flip game for me. And it, it is, if this was more Debo's healthy, Trent Williams is healthy, maybe even Brock Purdy, um, you know, I, I I would say, you know, maybe this is a, a pretty – you know, not a not a big 49ers win, but something that's, you know, a possession or so. I mean, this is a coin flip game for me. My heart's saying Bengals because I'm going to be there. Head is kind of maybe leaning a little bit Niners just because of the venue. And, um, you know, they do have a lot of talent at a lot of different places. Um, I, I guess I'll agree with you. I think it's maybe a, a point or two in favor of the 49ers. Would not surprise me at all if the Bengals do the same and win it by that kind of margin. But it's going to take a... I don't want to call it a Herculean effort by the Bengals to get this one done, but they're going to have to play very, very sound in, in all three phases to come out of there with a win. The good news is Darius Phillips is not walking through that door anytime soon. I think you know two, <laughs> two month punts this time, I don't think is necessarily in the it, cards, knock yeah. on wood for Trent oh, Irwin and everything, right. but it's just, it's, it's going to be a phenomenal game. You know, I, I, it was already circled on the calendars for everyone. And now it's just it's going to be enticing in just a different way. You have a Bengals team who is in a similar situation as last year. 49ers, you know, they're pretty used to starting slow, whether it be from injuries or just general offensive inconsistency. And then they started off hot. And now they're kind of back into that, you know, trying to re recapture their identity and everything. So, the, the, uh, you know, you, you can talk about urgency for the 49ers, you know, coming off of two losses. I don't really know if that's going to matter as much considering if they don't solve their issues then there's there's just not going to be success that they find there but yeah like i i i truly think that you know i i just don't see bosa not ending up with at least one sack i don't see you know hargrave and armstead being completely quiet against this bengals interior but you know we'll, we'll, we'll definitely see what adjustments the bengals offense has made over the bye and i think they'll, they'll have some success but it's tough to win at levi stadium for sure it is uh, let's drop the mic and get out of here, John. What what do you what do you have for us as we head into the weekend here? Um, there's a lot of talk about Joe Burrow's shoes and his cleats, which <laughs> I get c- considering they're they're Jays. Um, I I do think though, I think Jake Lisko is on the right track with this. He was like he was out there with like white and black Air Force or Air Jordan ones, and he denied that their existence, even though we could see them in 4K. And then he came out with like an orange version with a number nine on it. Clearly some type of prototype, I want to say. Um, th- that's just kind of my, my two cents there because I- I've been debating if I should write an article about it. I don't know if people care that much about the the cleat that Burrow wears on his feet, but the whole thing is just weird to me and, and just the, the you know, the, the mystique behind it. It's kind of odd. It is uh, another prediction there from Mike Jones in our Facebook chat, Bengals 1916. Uh, I got a couple of things. Again, I kind of talked about a little bit. It just this weekend in this game always reminds me of uh, sometimes some painful memories, um, but just the history of this. And I'm going all the way back to when Bill Walsh was with the Bengals and then got passed over and moved to the 49ers. And that's really kind of, I think, largely where this story between the two teams really begins 
so I, I, I should have done, or we should have done a best Bengals battles between these two teams. Maybe we still will going down, get down the road here, but uh, you know, the Bengals have had some significant losses to this team in the past. And this is a, a pretty big game. I'll be at a regular season one comparative to other ones. So hopefully they can, you know, start moving their season in the right direction. Tough, tough game, but I think it would be a nice foundational piece as they get going towards the postseason. And one other thing, he's he's made a couple comments in here. Our guy Porkchop, who is a co-host on the Bengals and Brews podcast, and uh, you've probably seen me wear that bright orange Hootay cool hat, trucker hat. Uh, he sent me that. He had a little bit of a, I don't want to get into it, but a little bit of a health scare. Um, and I, I feel comfortable saying it because some of his buddies and co-hosts have uh, kind of reported that. And it was, a, I guess, a pretty scary thing, but it sounds like he is in the clear. So, uh, pork chop, glad you're doing well. Thanks for ch- coming in the chat and supporting our show as well. We love what you guys do over there at Bengals and Brews too. Tell all of them hello and stay well, my friend. Wanted to give you a salutation there, my friend. But uh, that's going to do it for us. Hopefully, the ending credits will go a little bit better than the <laughs> opening credits. Um, I, I don't know what the heck was happening there. But anyway, we're going to get on out of here. Let's hope the Bengals get a W and get to four and three out of the bye. John, have yourself a good weekend, sir. And we'll be back at it to talk about this game, break it all down on Sunday, Monday, and the rest of the week. Bring us home a win, man. I, I Hey, they are 2-0 in the last two games I've been to. So uh, let's, I guess let's try and make it 3-0. I, I don't know. I have nothing to do with that. We all know that. But anyway, I'll pretend. I'll pretend. See ya. <laughs>